And good afternoon. It's 4 o'clock. Uh, thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located here in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and this is Finding a Voice, a spoken word program airing here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And coming up on the show today in the first hour... From a May 1st uh, Viva Voce event called Languages, around the theme of languages, held at Kingston Front Act Public Library, you'll hear readings or performances by Alyssa Cooper, Miriam Bauchi, Gabriel Pulver, and uh, Sosan Mohammed. In the second hour, continuing with that Viva Voce event, you'll hear a reading by Alexandra King Mushy and... Uh, then, and Rogan, uh, I think, a performance by Rogan Gowan Day. Then uh, we'll move into and conclude, actually, uh, the final readings from the April 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading. You'll hear readings by Michael Castile, Sarah Emtish, Bob McKenzie, Carlos Sanchez, Kinman, Sasha Hill, Dale Tracy, Aaron Boyce, Eric Folsom, Ariane, and myself. So, and uh, the yeah, like I said, we'll conclude finally that uh, uh, the readings from or performances from that event. Uh, first thing, though, the usual hourly announcement. Occasionally, some poetry, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language. Uh, but all is played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. I will have a bit of time, uh, I think in the second hour, maybe both hours, uh, a bit of time today anyway to share a few upcoming events. Yeah, yeah I think both hours. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I will do that as well. So I'll tell you what, I think it's just about set up here. I'll let it finish and... Uh, we're going to start the show off again with the May 1st Viva Voce event called Languages. And again, it was held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. was emceed by Gabrielle Pulver. And up first in it, you're going to hear her introduction to and then a reading by Alyssa Cooper. the stereotypical language that people generally use 
describe their feelings. Um, so I try to step away from that and I think that's one of the really interesting things about language is that there are so many ways to differently describe the same thing. Um, so my love poems are always weirdly aggressive and kind of violent. So yeah, let's just go into that. <coughs> Wing beats like gunshots over open water. And do you remember when I told you that a swan can mourn itself to death? I want to build a crown of feathers to place upon your head. Want to lather up your sweat and wash away the 22 years that I didn't get to know you. I am jealous of everyone who's had you longer than I have. Resentful, like they don't love you like I do. Like, I want to carve your name from their tongues and crack open their skulls to pluck their memories. Like pomegranate seeds. And they'd be red, you know, they'd be red and sweet like candy and you didn't believe me. But the truth is that a swan would rather die than live its life alone and I don't want to be a lonely swan. I want to curve my neck into a heart with yours like those pictures and calendars that are too perfect to be real. Like, my body is origami and you are a paper folding master. You know just where to put the corners. And I am made of colored rice paper. And together we are happy folded paper people with happy folded paper smiles. And for me, for now, that's enough. And I wonder if you remember climbing to the top of the world and wondering how life below got so small when we weren't in it. Like, everything is small without us. Like, the wide and boundless sky has no meaning. And I'm not looking up at it with you. Like, we are running hot and overworked engine. We are atoms of hydrogen on the surface of the sun. And we were always meant to come together in chain reactions. Like. When you hold my hand, we are helium. We are lighter than air, like those gaudy foil greetings with their impossible little ribbon curls. We are weightless and likely to remain that way. We are wingbeats over water taking to the sky. We are loud like gunshots, and you didn't believe me. Couldn't comprehend that a bird could die of a broken heart, but they can, and now I think you finally understand. They can, and we can too. So for my second piece, um, it's a newer one. I'm writing a collection of poetry right now about my family history in a roundabout way. Um, but all of my relatives on my father's side of the family are Irish, but we've been living in Canada since like 1790 or something, so Irish. Um, but my grandparents always really considered their Irish heritage to be a really important part of their identity as Irish Canadians. And a year and a half ago, I lost my grandfather, and then last year, I lost my grandmother, and now I'm feeling this weird disconnect where it's like I've always called myself like a person of Irish heritage, but I've kind of lost that last connection to the part of my family that actually considered the Irish heritage to be important to them. So I've been going through this like weird quarter-life crisis where I'm trying to be really, really Irish 
And part of that was trying to learn Irish using that like Duolingo app with the really pushy bird. Um, so I wrote a poem about my grandmother and being Irish and trying to learn Irish Gaelic. Uh, it's called Ira, which is the Gaelic word for Ireland, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong because the bird is not helpful. <laughs> I study maps of surnames and wonder at their legitimacy. Run my fingers over faded borders, caress the rocky shore, and wonder where we set sail from. Wonder where the salty wind took hold of our dandelion parachutes and carried us aloft. Wonder what lands the bones of my ancestors still feed. But there's no one left alive to ask. I tried to learn Irish, but my tongue couldn't make sense of the words, wooden and clumsy. We got lost in tangled alleyways of pronunciation and barely found our way out. Tried tattooing them on my fingers instead, but my skin couldn't understand. The ink turned the letters into mud puddles, my own flesh denying history, rejecting my past. I met a woman with green eyes and an accent, and when I told her that I was Irish, she laughed in a voice that echoed with highlands and sea. No, she said, you're not. And who am I to argue? My story diluted by the passage of time, like water added to ink with every generation until I am here. Translucent. I am a ghost haunting the halls of memory. I am invisible, a half-life thing with words for everyone. Except for myself. And when she was young, my grandmother let women from back home read her future in tea leaves. Back home, that was what she called it. Even though she had never set foot there, grew up on the banks of a river masquerading as the sea, her nose always searching for salt. And I wonder if they saw me there. Those back home women with their gnarled hands, did they see me? Painted like moss in the bottom of the teacup, little lost soul with a treacherous name, did they see me? Floating with ink, in my skin did they see me, falling in love with a sea that I have never seen. Thank you. And you just heard Alyssa Cooper from a May 1st Viva Voce event uh, called Languages held at the Kingston Front Neck Public Library. And again, as emceed by Gabrielle Pulver. And up next, as introduced by her, you'll hear uh, with a story, Miriam Bounty. Dylan on the guitar making some noise with me for the story. So I volunteer at a camp in rural Vermont um, called Camp Exclamation Point. Um, it's for underprivileged youth who can't afford to go to summer camp, so they spend $20 and go to overnight camp for seven days. We sleep in cabins, we eat nothing but beans and vegetables. Uh, no meat, no dairy, it's really cool. 
Um, and on Wednesday nights we have story night, and we have three storytellers, like legit traveling storytellers, come in and tell some stories. And um, one of the gentlemen, his name is Odds, and he plays a 12-string guitar and the harp, and he's the coolest man I've ever met in my entire life. And he told this story um, called uh, The Wise Little Girl. It's from Russia. So I'm going to try to do it justice. Um, I'm using a journal because I don't know it by heart. Um, and there's a song that I need you guys to sing with me when it comes up, and it goes like this. The morning is wiser than the night, Papa. The morning is wiser than the night, Papa. The morning is wiser than the night, Papa. The morning is wiser than the night, wiser. You don't have to do the thing. The morning is wiser than the night, wiser. Once upon a time, on a dirt road, traveled a man, the rich brother, and his carriage pulled by his strong horses. In the distance he sees an inn lit by a single lantern. As he approaches, he feels his belly rumble and his eyelids get heavy, and he decides to go in. He pays for a bed and a table, eats, and goes to sleep. Shortly behind him, the poor brother travels, not in a carriage, but on horseback, on his mare, his prize mare. He arrives to the inn, but having no money, he falls asleep on a pile of hay. In the night, by some miracle, his mare gives birth to a foal. Stands up on his wobbly little legs, but falls over and rolls beneath the carriage. In the morning, the wealthy brother wakes up and exits the inn and says, Oh, ha! brother, I see my carriage has given birth to a foal. <laughs> Your carriage is my mare gave birth to that foal. What are you talking about? I know. It's under my carriage, therefore my carriage gave birth to it. I will go to every judge in the land to defend this brother. And so he did. Every judge, but no judge could decide whether the mayor or the carriage had given birth to the foal. And so they decided to approach the most powerful judge in all of Russia, the Tsar. They arrive at the palace and present their story. The Tsar says, oh, well, I cannot decide, so I will give you this. I love riddles. If 
one of you can return by morning with the right answer to my riddle, you shall be the rightful owner of the fold. Listen here. What is the swiftest and strongest thing in all the world? What is the fattest thing in all the world? What is the softest thing in all the world? And what is the loveliest? Both brothers hurry off home. The rich brother rushes to his wealthy godmother's house. Godmother! I have a riddle, and I need you to solve it.
as the sun rises and make their way back to the castle to see the Tsar. They approach him and provide him with their answers and the Tsar says, looking at the wealthy brother, you, yes you, leave. I did not like your answers at all. Yes, leave now. And the wealthy brother left, never to be seen again. As for the poor brother, the Tsar turned to him and said, you, I liked your answers, but I can see from everything about you that you did not come up with those on your own. Who gave you those answers? And the poor brother stuttering up of it was my, my daughter, my daughter Vasilisa. She's only seven years old. And, ah, yes, she thinks she's wiser than the Tsar of Russia. Well, give her this riddle and see. He catches eye on a single thread of silk on his cuff. He breaks it off. Give her this single thread of silk and have her weave me an entire silk towel. Then we'll see about your foal. The man rushes off home, terrified. He opens the door and sees his daughter dancing for the light of a single candle. Papa, why so glum? And he tells her the riddle again. I don't know what to do, this is impossible. And with a twinkle of wisdom glittering behind the eyes, she says, oh, how could you have forgotten so quickly, Papa? She sings her song again. The morning is wiser than the night, Papa. Fast as he could, carrying 150 eggs. 
as he opens the door. The kid, his daughter, is dancing to the light of a single candle, her shadow dancing on the walls like the wings of a black bird. He looks at her. A look of despair on his face, and she says, Papa, why so long? He says, oh, Vasilisa, Vasilisa, he's done it again, another riddle, I don't think you can beat this one. She says, Papa, tell me the riddle. And so he does, in tears, tells her the riddle. Papa, please, remember. She sings again. The morning is wiser than the night, Papa. The morning is wiser than the night, Papa. The morning is wiser than the night, wiser. She goes to the back of their house and gets a handful of millet. She hands it to her father and she says, take this to the Tsar. Tell him to give it to his farmers and if they can plant it and grow it and make it into meal for the chicken, then I will gladly grow them and feed them and make them into his breakfast. And so he takes the handful of millet and goes to bed. A bit worried about this one, but nevertheless, he wakes up and heads back to the castle, a lot of traveling for this poor man. He presents the handful of millet to the Tsar. Ah! Again, please meet me again, the seven-year-old. What do I do? What do I do? Ah, well. It is your daughter. It is her who's beating the riddles. I want to meet Vasilisa. Bring her here tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, by dawn. Bring your daughter here, but she must arrive neither on foot nor on horseback. She must arrive neither dressed nor undressed. And she must arrive with a gift that is not a present. Now go and return with your daughter in the morning. He runs home faster than ever. you. I can't. You're my daughter. You're seven years old. This is the Tsar we're talking about. You're playing games with. Papa, don't be so glum. Please, remember. For me, when she sings her song one last time. The morning is Make sure its wings aren't clipped so that it can
can still fly. Get me these three things, please. And so again, not knowing what else to do, the father obliged and fetched things that his daughter had asked. The next morning, the Tsar, standing on his balcony, stretching, watching the sunrise, he noticed something at his gates. Oh! 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 She's here! She's early! My rose! My rose! And quickly he puts on his robes and runs down the stairs and meets her at the gates. Open the gates! Open the gates! And there she is, one foot on the dirt road and one foot on the rabbit. Oh, well, you, you traveled here neither on foot nor on horseback. No, dear sir, I hopped along one foot on this rabbit and one foot on the road. Oh, well then, no matter, no matter, two more, two more. Vasilisa had wrapped the fisherman's net around and around and around her body. Oh, you are neither dressed nor undressed. No matter, one more, one more. My gift. Oh, yes, sir, dear sir, of course. You are but the cleverest sir in all of Russia. It's whole history. No one's seen a cleverer, wiser sir than you. And so here is your gift. And she presents to him the partridge, leaning out to give it to him, but before he could take it, it flew away, away, away into the distance. A gift that could not be presented to me. Well, uh, you are very clever, my dear. Vasilisa. All right. Well, you, your father, you, you're poor. Tell me, what is it like being poor? Well, my, my father, he, he fishes on the dirt road, and then I make fish chowder in my skirt. Well, uh, those things are impossible. Neither of those things can happen. Well, these are no more impossible than a carriage giving birth to a foal. Ah, uh, yes, my child, you, you're right. All right, you've proven me many times that you are not wise. I'd like you to go home and tell your father that he has a job here in the palace as my royal stableman. And you, you shall become a great lady. You shall move in as well. Now go, and I'll see you in the morning. And here's your fall. No riddles. The end. by Odds himself, you can find it online. Just type The Wise Little Girl and Odds Balkan and it will come up. He's on Apple Music as well. He's a very cool man. Hmm?
And uh, you just heard uh, Miriam from a May 1st uh, Viva Voce event called Languages held at uh, Kingston Frontenac Public Library and again emceed by Gabriel Pulver whose uh, few words there you heard at the very end. Uh, you know what? I'm going to do this and we'll be right back. The Kingston Community House for Self-Reliance, widely known as 99 York, has for 30 years been providing a central, low-cost meeting space for groups that allow like-minded people to come together to learn from one another, to share resources and trade skills. The goal of this house is to act as an integral part of the neighborhood in which it is located. On a typical evening, an autism caregiver relief group will be at 99 York, together with a 12-step organization and a transgendered support group, while a social justice and homeschooling group may be booked in the following day. The community house is also available for less official functions, such as barbecues, birthday and office parties, and other social gatherings. We are proud to also serve the Queen's community. For more information, visit 99 York Street in Kingston. Go to www.99york.org, email info at 99york.org, or call 613-542-1136. Friday evenings at 6 p.m. here on CFRC, listen to Saltwater Music, a show covering all musical genres from the East Coast of Canada. Celtic, of course, but also rock, jazz, blues, folk, and a lot more. I'm your host, Rob Carnell. Tune in to Saltwater Music Friday evening from 6 to 8 here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Or you can catch us on the web at www.cfrc.ca. And for our listeners out east, that's 7 p.m. Atlantic and 7.30 Newfoundland. Enjoy camping, cottaging, hiking, or being outdoors after a long winter? We are not alone. Every summer, Ontarians far and wide escape the daily grind and head to the great outdoors. But holidays have the ability to turn deadly due to Lyme disease, a potentially fatal disease caused by the bite of a black-legged tick, known as a deer tick. Causing similar symptoms to the flu, such as fever, headache, fatigue, muscle and joint pain. However, if you see a red, bullseye-type rash, Chances are you don't have the flu. Take a few precautions to make sure Lyme disease doesn't ruin your vacation this year. Avoid shrubs and tall grassy areas where black-legged ticks are known to live. Bug repellent containing DEET is an effective way to prevent ticks from biting you. Cover up. When you're in areas that are known to have ticks, cover all exposed areas of your body. Wear white so you're able to see if a black tick is on you. Infected ticks are primarily found along the north shores of Lake Erie, Lake Ontario, and the St. Lawrence River. Be prepared this summer, and don't get ticked off. Folk Everything, every Saturday morning from 10 till noon on CFRC. Traditional folk, modern folk, future folk, and strange deviations from the norm. Hear the legacy of folk music and discover new favorites and forgotten classics on Folk Everything. Join me every Saturday morning at 10 for a romp through folk culture here on CFRC. Says Red to James, that's a fine And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, and here every Friday from 4 to 6 o'clock, we do stream live online 
as well at www.cfrc.ca. Let's go ahead and move back into that May 1st uh, Viva Voce event called Languages and again held at the Kingston Front Neck Public Library and emceed by Gabrielle Pulver. And here she is actually with her own work that evening. So here is Gabrielle. It usually has to be after midnight. It's like Cinderella, like the clock strikes midnight, and then all of a sudden I can sort of think that way, I guess. Um, I think it's just like part of that weird mind thing where you're just less conscious, maybe, sort of sleeping. So I, I didn't really have anything that I was going to share um, this Ibuoche, but then last night, I guess this morning, very early in the morning, I kind of was thinking about language a lot, just on in light of this event. And I was thinking about, I guess, just like the power of words and how they can affect you and me and everyone. I had a weird thing on the street the other day where someone in front of Gap like said a really anti-Semitic thing to me and I was like, whoa, that was shocking. Um, so then there's like really negative experiences like that where words can really like make you hyperventilate and it's scary. Or there can be times when words can inspire, soothe. I think tonight we've all had um, people come up here and just give us some really enchanting energies. So yeah, I was gonna share some thought rambles, that's really what it is, with you guys. Okay, here goes. Thoughts twisted into words, into phrases, into conversations, a whole species reliant on a common tongue, a nation of the literate delighting in each other's desires. Inspired simply by the acoustics of spoken thought, it's wild to me how speaking occurs naturally. Taught to spell by H3, we already can speak so well. A whole fountain of youth whose thoughts into words, tongue-twisting teeth-hissing sounds into expression, into communication. The art of alliteration, speaking spell spinning electric neurons into fragmented ideas, decisions into dreams, that strapped into the tangible. Like a candy ball machine, our mind pops out the lights delivered to another through the art of language. It's wild to me, our co communication capabilities, from sound to gesture to the most elusive of expressions, our brains read each other, smiles like whispers subconsciously speaking, attempting to understand. Like a small child reading hidden under a dome tent of blankets, soft glow of a flashlight revealing a delight of black ink turned cloud pink imaginings. We too are constantly communicating, reading expressions, subtle smiles, handshakes and hugs, a milkshake of our innate mysteries. The puzzle of humankind, words shedding a soft glow into the darkness of the human mind. We talk, we write, we read, we watch, and we find ourselves understanding, regardless of national tongue, smiling, laughing, singing, crying, the universal language bonding humans beyond country barriers across the world. It's well to me that words, the vibrations of sound waves, enter our ears, registering into an understanding, black into marks observed by our eyes, our intuitive ability to tell truths and lies, how these sounds and scribbles form meaning, inspire action, reactions, and can lead to believing. I think of Greta, 16 year old, years old Swedish girl, communicating to the world through a school strike that climate change should be considered a worldwide emergency. This girl's actions leading to speaking, soft voice carrying the weight of our human plight to save our planet, wise words inspiring world leaders to commit to climate action to fight. Greta's communication inspires. I could go off for ages admiring the likes of young Greta, the power of the sages, of those who can twist thoughts into words through action and communication, proving the power of words to incite change. 
I will simply share my awe in this power we possess. Words organizing the mess of abstract wants and wishes into shared understandings. Words like kisses communicating love, connecting the living in our communicating. Greta gives me hope and reminds me of how language, like rope, tying thoughts into tidy words, like not strong enough to toss out to the tides of humanity. Words like lifelines connecting humankind as we communicate our dreams. That's that. And you just heard what she calls her ramblings, uh, her poetry, uh, um, back at the May 1st Viva Voce event called Languages, and uh, held at, again, Kingston Frontenac Public Library. Those words uh, were from Gabrielle Pulver, uh, who was MC that evening, and then also that was her piece. So ramblings, she called them, but again, it was poetry. So up next from that event, uh, you're going to hear, let's see who's next on the list. So you're going to hear Sosan. Let's go ahead and just uh, bring them up. Um, yeah, so next up we have Sosan. Going to do some stories for us, poetry. Salsa? Excuse me? No, I'm not 
stuck upon me. And along with that name being stuck upon me, being anglicized, I lost my language. I lost my ability to speak Arabic because I was going to English school every single day. I had my parents talking to me in Arabic in the house, but there was a disconnect. So there was me trying to understand my parents and trying to understand Arabic and simultaneously going to school and trying to learn English and trying to learn that language as well. Because little Sosin, she didn't really speak English in the house. I had this weird accent. As soon as I came to school, people thought that I was foreign for some reason. I wasn't foreign. I was born in Kingston. I wish I was born closer to this spot than a lot of people that I speak to here. Like, I don't know, I could probably walk over to like the very room that I was born in in 10 minutes. And every single time people assume that I'm an immigrant or that I can't speak properly, and that's my experience with language. And progressively, as I was going, getting more, um, more used to this naming name Sawson, I lost my language, I lost my mother tongue. I can barely even spell in Arabic anymore. And that was hard, that was hard because sometimes I can't even talk to my parents with all the right vocabulary, with all the right grammar. And sometime around middle school, I reclaimed my name. It, it was not something that people could call me, it was my name, it was my way to identify myself. So I stopped being complacent, complacent in everyday situations of being called Sasan. It was either Sosin or it was nothing. And a lot of my friends make fun of me for that nowadays. But here's the thing, being, having, being heard and having your own name be, being pronounced properly can mean everything because you're being recognized. It is your name, it is your word, it is your identity. It is the thing that marks me as a first generation Sudanese Canadian. It is the thing that marks me as my mother and father's daughter. So I, I guess I just, I didn't move an ed bunch. I started learning Arabic. I started understanding my family more. And I, I reclaimed my name, I reclaimed my language. And here's the thing. I can be a stickler sometimes. A lot of people make fun of me for it. I get this resting bitch face every single time a substitute teacher says my name wrong, they say Sawson. I correct them. I don't care if it takes five minutes. They're gonna call my name or they're not gonna call anything at all. So I'm going to read this poem by Pablo Neruda. It's translated from Spanish and it's called Word. And I think that it represents my experience with my name, Word. I'm going to crumple this word. I'm going to twist it. Yes, it's too smooth. It's as though a big dog or a big river had been licking it over and over with tongue or water for many years. I want the word to reveal the roughness, the phrygian salt, the toothless strength of the earth, 
the blood of those who talked and those who did not talk. I want to see the thirst inside the syllables. I want to touch the fire and the sound. I want to feel the darkness of the screen. I want rough words like virgin rocks. So I think this outlines just how my name has been distorted and changed throughout the years and how it shows my, my experiences with my native tongue and with English. And the thing that I learned the most is that words are what you make them to be. Sometimes language can be hard. Sometimes English can be hard to learn. Sometimes Arabic can be hard to learn. I've sometimes had to like relearn everything twice. Um, and a lot of people pick things up very quickly. And one of the most important things that I used to be able to communicate and love the people that I am with, that I have communication barriers with, is just body language. Because sometimes the simplest gestures and ways and um, movements can communicate how we're feeling and what we intend. And we, we, we change words over time. Language evolves. Our way of communication evolves. But body language is forever. The way that we feel, the way that we move is always going to be the same. No matter how much words change, no matter how much your understanding of language change, the way that you feel and the way that sh you show that you feel, that's gonna be with you for a long time. Thanks, Sasan. Actually, funny story, I met Sasan a couple years ago um, through work and I was watching Game of Thrones at that time, so don't blame me, but in my head she was Sansa. <laughs> And every time, it would, it would just come out of Sansa. I don't know, maybe there's no Game of Thrones fans in the crowd, but Sansa is a character in that show. Anyways. And you just heard... Uh from a May 1st Aviva Voce event called Languages, held at the Kingston Frontenac Library and emceed by Gabrielle Pulver. Uh, you heard uh, So Sun. And uh, this will be the final performer that I air this hour. There were two more acts that evening, but uh, both of them would have pushed us through the top of the hour, and I don't prefer not to do that, or I should say I prefer not to do that. So, kind of I don't like to do that, and I prefer not to do that all in the same sentence. came out a bit weird, but I tell you what, we'll catch the last two performances right after the top of the second hour, and they are going to be Alexandra King uh, Mushi and Rogan Gowan Day, and hope I didn't uh, mutilate your last names too badly. And... Uh, with still a few minutes in this hour, I have been trying to be more aware of and uh, get, well, I guess share with you uh, news about uh, upcoming events and calls, at least uh, for the next week or so. Well, some of them will either happen or expire before I'm back here again, so trying to 
do that uh, a little better than I have done it uh, well in the past, and sometimes time element just won't let me. So there is time today, I guess, is what I could have simply said, and I'm going to do that. But first, I would like to thank you for tuning in to the first hour today. Hope you can stay tuned for the second. Uh, you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce. I'm here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well, www.cfrc.ca. One other thing I do at the end of each hour, or at least try to, and then I'm going to get into uh, sharing some calls and events is that uh, both uh, after both hours of each show every Friday are saved to my blog space for it, and I will upload it to that uh, shortly after I get home. We'll remain there four years, and the address for that is finding a, vo- uh, finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. So go ahead and jump into these, and let's see. I think... Uh, <coughs> I think I have time today to uh, share a few calls as well. There aren't a lot of upcoming events uh, in the coming week, uh, so let's do these because these two calls are only open until the end of the month. So first one of those is, let's double check here, Juniper, uh, a poetry journal. It's open for submissions only during the months of January and May and September. So this is one of those three. And uh, their guidelines are they uh, suggest you send up to three unpublished poems in the body of an email to the editors at juniperpoetry at gmail.com. They're asking in your cover letter to please include titles of your poems and a short bio. No attachments, they are saying. I'm just going to go ahead and get that it called deadline is uh, May 31st for this edition. And uh, their website is https colon slash slash juniperpoetry.com. And they've got a few more bits in their submissions uh, section for that. And the other one uh, that is going to expire at the end of the month is the 2019 CBC Poetry Prize. It's... uh, What they are asking is to submit original unpublished poem or collection of poems up to 600 words in length. No minimum word requirement open to all Canadian citizens and permanent residents of Canada. There is a fee of $25 for administration purposes, and it's required with the entry. So winners will receive, though, uh, the winner will receive $6,000 from the Canada Council for the Arts have the opportunity to attend a two-week writing residency at the Bath Center for Arts and Creativity, and their winning submission will be published on CBC Books. There are also four finalists that will receive $1,000 from the Canada Council for the Arts and have their poetry published on CBC Books as well, it seems. So their deadline, again, is uh, May 31st. At the end of day, at 11.59 p.m., and uh, there are full, yeah, full guidelines. Why don't you do, uh, 
go ahead. Uh, there, there, there's a lot more to their submission guidelines. So I'm going to. It's easy to find. You probably just Google search uh, uh, CBC uh, Poetry Prize, and it will take you right. Uh, 2019 should take you right there. But you can also access it through uh, www.cbc.ca/books. Then, if you want the other slashes, links, literary prizes, and then CBC Poetry Prize. And that will take you directly there. And coming up for events. A little bit lighter in this coming week. It's probably partly because of the holiday over this weekend, so a bit of a shorter week. But there is a weekly event, and that happens every month except for August. And it's every Wednesday night. It's uh, called the Limestone Writers Writing Group. Uh, the writing group meets every Wednesday, with the exception, again, of those in August. It meets at 7 p.m. in room 239 of Stoffer Library. And uh, they meet to critique and support one another's writing. And they're basically open to all genres of fiction, poetry, nonfiction, and memoir are all represented, it says. So for more information, contact... Uh, Dave and Dave Pratt, so D P R A T T one nine three nine at hotmail dot com if you're interested and would like to attend. And I'll do that again because uh, the email address is D P R A T T nineteen thirty nine at hotmail dot com. And uh, then as far as chronological events. Uh, the next one, or the first one I have listed after Wednesday is Saturday, and it's a monthly series. Uh, there's a local uh, musical duo, Seth Decaf, and uh, every last Saturday of the month, uh, they put on, uh, they they host a Hot Chocolate Charity Concert Series. I believe it started, I believe the first one was back in December, and uh, it's always fun. I've attended all of them, actually. And uh, this is happening a week from tomorrow. So, again, the last Saturday, May 25th, from 2 to 4.30 p.m. And uh, they it's usually a group of around a half a dozen uh, musicians. Each have a spot. And it's called a charity for a reason because each month a different charity is... Uh, uh, to support, they support a uh, sponsor and support a different local deserving and uh, socially impactful charity each month. And this month's charity is actually the place where they're at uh, because uh, it too uh, is a nonprofit and uh, uh, and donations help it. So the the charity for this month is the community uh, the Kingston Community House, which is also known as Ninety Nine York Street. Uh, that space has uh, been providing a spot for them since December. So they've decided to go ahead and uh, uh, honor them this month. There is a suggested admission charge of ten dollars, all going to the charity. Uh, but it's also listed as pay what you can. And uh, they've got, if you go to their Facebook page, I'm trying to see if there is, I think if you actually just go to their page, or you know what, well, go to Hot Chocolate, uh, Safety Calf, uh, Hot Chocolate Charity 
I'm trying to get it exactly right here. Charity Concert Series. Type that in uh, Facebook, and it will take you to the page, because there's also a link where you can donate in advance. So, again, that's coming up a week from tomorrow, May 25th, and it starts at 2 and runs to 4.30. And I have talked my way into the second hour, it looks like, just looking at the clock. So it is now a half a minute, almost past 5 o'clock. And uh, thanks for sticking around. You are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. We are located in Lower Carruthers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce, here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. We do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And in the second hour, continuing with that Viva Voce event, and again called Languages, uh, you'll hear a reading by Alexandra and uh, a musical performance by Rogan Gowan Day. Uh, following them uh, from the April 2nd and the journey continues, open mic reading. Uh, you'll hear the final readings from that. Uh, readings by Michael Castile, Sarah Amtish, Bob McKenzie, Carlos Sanchez, Kinman, Sasha Hill, Dale Tracy, Aaron Boyce, Eric Folsom, Ariane, and myself. And uh, the first, though, usual hourly announcement, uh, occasionally some poetry, uh, spoken word, or music played on this show may contain strong language, but it's all played in its entirety with content unedited to honor the creative integrity of both the author and the piece. I should have maybe just a bit of time to share some upcoming events. I think I may try to end the show with some music today. We'll see how that goes, but one or the other. And uh, I will see how it goes. So first, tell you what, let's go back into that May 1st Viva Voce event called Languages held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. Again, emceed by Gabrielle Pulver. You'll hear a reading by Alexandra King-Mushi. Um, next up, we have Alexandra. And then we're going to have one more act to wrap up the day. Okay, thanks. Okay, so I'm going to be sharing two fairly short poems, kind of just exploring the idea of self-love and self-acceptance as a new language, really. So the first poem, it was written by my friend, Eliza, and she doesn't want to perform it, but I hope I just do it justice. <laughs> Toxic friends are like a shirt with holes. Everyone tells you to give it up, that there's no point, that there's plenty of other shirts. Look at the holes, the harm the hurt. But like a shirt with holes, you seek the comfort, the familiarity. Just think of all those memories. The concert where you danced all night. The musical that stole your heart. The cartoon you binged for hours. Like a shirt with holes, your friend was there for it all, binging every episode, remembering every lyric, clapping after every number. You are like a shirt with holes, worn down, your fabric stretched 
thin, overworked. Yes, you're comfortable and safe. You've learned your methods of survival. <coughs> but how long until you throw yourself away? Disregard your morals. Become a henchman in someone else's grand scheme. And the real you is forgotten. Okay. So. <laughs> The next piece I'm gonna be performing is kind of just inspired by the idea of language and self-love and I'm just a short poem I wrote pretty quickly, but I like it. <laughs> Some days it feels like learning a new language, translating self-deprecation to self-appreciation. It's hard learning the, same, the language of self-love in a world of self-hate. Sometimes I fall out of the rhythm and end up in the in-between, a pigeon of old comforts mingling with unfamiliar territory. In a culture that has derived humor from depression, how do you break free from those old patterns and create a new vocabulary? of gratitude and love. Some days, holding my tongue seems easier than speaking my truth. It only is until my twisted, tight tongue turns into a turning in my stomach. It's that feeling of indigestion from swallowing your values, feeling your soul squish and squirm, begging for escape. Some days, I try to empty myself to become as small as possible. I'm still not sure what I'm trying to make room for, whether to cushion any blows upon the bruised egos of arrogant men, which seem to matter more than the bruises upon the women they've hurt. Some days, I feel myself trying to pay my rent to this world with beauty simply because pretty has become a currency needed to allow fair passage. Occasionally, I'll catch myself and realize that I am allowed to be as I am. More often, I'll accept the easier option, giving in to the pressure of pretty. Some days, I find myself apologizing for things that need no explanation. I'm still working on realizing that I do not need to apologize for my existence. The air I breathe needs no explanation. The ground I stand on has no toll. I'm still unlearning the language of dismissal and submission to society. Some days are okay. I'll catch myself with a smile on my face, feeling fully fluent, in my newfound language of carefree joy, I will catch myself mid-sentence, knowing I am so far from my old shackles. Sometimes the words I say no longer feel foreign on my tongue. Some days are worse. I fall back into the old patterns once again, swallowing the words I like to say, sandpaper phrases scraping at my throat. I will catch myself mid-sentence, knowing I am, again, a prisoner to my mind. Sometimes, 
The words I say are an unwatched candle, soft and sweet until the house burns. I'm still learning, growing, maturing, but I am proud of where I am. Every syllable on my tongue handcrafted to show myself I care. Every word, every phrase to remind myself that I am amazing. Though sometimes I fall to my mother tongue, I am learning to thrive, not simply survive. Thank you. And that was Alexandra from a May 1st Viva Voce event called Languages and again held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library, emceed by Gabrielle Pulver. And up next in it, and the final act, I believe, that day uh, is a musical act. And uh, it is uh, Rogan. Yeah, it's going to be... uh, Rogan Gallon Day. I will mention that uh, you also hear in one of the harmonies on one song provided by uh, Haley Sarfeld, who is part of Saf Decaf, who I mentioned uh, at the bottom of the other hour that put on that charity event each month. So here you go. Um, so finally, to wrap up this night, we have Rogan, who's going to play us some songs. Thanks, Rogan. <laughs> Um, so, this first song I'm going to play is a cover, and I don't really know what it's about, so <laughs> I guess that's a thing where it's like, like sometimes things sound cool, even if you don't know what they're about. Yeah, it's pretty good. I carry this 
It's full of charts and facts and figures and instructions for dancing, but And you just heard uh, Rogan uh, from a May 1st uh, Viva Voce event uh, on guitar and vocals in uh, 
performance or the event was called Languages, held at the Kingston Frontenac Public Library. And first a solo with him and then a harmonies with uh, Haley Sarfeld. And again, that was emceed by Gabriel Pulver, whose message you heard there at the end to wrap it up. Uh, and uh, tell you what, let's do this and we'll switch gears when we come back. Since 1922, CFRC Radio has been the campusing and community radio station for Queens and Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is both listener-supported and listener-created radio, bringing both music and spoken word content to our community on 101.9 FM and around the world on cfrc.ca. Support locally created media. Learn more at cfrc.ca. Do you like to dance? Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night between 11 p.m. and midnight. Where you'll hear all the newest dance, electronic, French touch, booty bass, ghetto, deep, and tech house remixes and more. Let The Hustle take you to midnight and beyond at 11 p.m. on 4 to the Floor Fridays. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm David Suzuki. The average lunch or dinner travels 2,400 kilometers to get to your table. Eating local means combating global warming. The future is on your table. Eat your way to a healthier planet. Find out how at davidsuzuki.org. Do you like waffles? Do you like waffles on a Saturday morning? Do you like things that are good and dislike things that are bad? Then you should listen to Waffles every Saturday morning on CFRC 101.9 FM from 8 a.m. until 10 a.m. Everybody likes waffles. And you are listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, we are located in Lower Crothers Hall, Queen's University, Kingston, Ontario. My name is Bruce here every Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 o'clock. Do stream live online as well at www.cfrc.ca. And now uh, to complete the hour, again, after I'd mentioned at the start of the show, after having aired pieces of it uh, the past uh, couple of weeks, you'll hear the conclusion of the April 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. And again, those are now done in the round and probably will be, uh, at least for the near future. So one poet, one poem, and then it just keeps going through the list like that. So in this first group uh, that hasn't aired, uh, our first group of readings, you're going to hear in this order Michael Castiles, Sarah Emtish, and Bob McKenzie. Up next, Michael Castiles. Bring him out. So I'm just going to continue reading from my novel. So this is from quite a bit later. And sort of generally with this novel, what I was trying to do was trying to create a novel in which there is no plot. And the story is just kind of driven along by uh, images and sort of repetition and strange things that are happening. Um, so the only thing to know at this point is that the narrator has fractured into like thousands of different versions of himself. So when there's two juxtaposing ideas, like could be happening at the same time. This is chapter 56. The day the fog lifted, I was putting out the fire that had taken up residence in my head, 
In the cave of my skull, a fire crackled, tossing shadows onto the walls. The shadows looked like black dogs chasing a buffalo, chasing a man, chasing the black dogs. The flickering light sent the shadows into ceaseless motion, the black dogs melting into one another and then separating again. The legs of the buffalo swayed. The man struggled to keep up one moment and the next was catching a black dog by the tail. I couldn't tell how long the fire had been burning. I started it when night fell and the cave grew dark, but it felt like the night began thousands of years ago, like the fire was the first good idea floating above a monkey's head. I started it by rubbing two sticks together. I started it with matches and gasoline. I started it by smashing together two rocks and utilizing the spark. The spark sparkled. It parked itself on a bed of dry grass. The spark brightened with a sigh. I smashed together two opposing ideas. One, a fire displays all the features to be considered alive. Fire feeds and grows. It reacts to changes in its environment. A fire reproduces. A fire evolves. It creates history, a culture. Two, the fire has one and only one story to tell. Each begins differently, but they all burn towards the same glorious conclusion. I was putting out the fire. I brought a bucket of water. I brought a bucket of sand. I brought a bucket of fish to fry. There's no way I started it by rubbing two sticks together. My lighter was green. It was purple. It was blue and it was empty. I kept flashing the spark like some drunken firefly. The fog had finally lifted. I looked through my eye sockets. I pulled up my socks. I opened the front door and stepped into my head. I carried a bucket of ice, a bottle of scotch, two glasses and two rocks which I later smashed together. The fire was already burning. The fire was already out. I blew on the spark, caused it to glow, caused the grass to smolder and smoke. Fire relies heavily on oxygen. Without air, it suffocates. It was like I was giving CPR to the fire, giving it breath, filling its golden lungs. I was putting out the fire. I brought a bucket of water and a long stick with which to stir the coals. I tossed another log onto the fire and the flames erupted even higher. I watched the shadows on the walls. I was being chased by a black buffalo, which was being chased by a pack of black dogs who I was gaining on by the moment. Small tongues of flame flicked across the dry grass, blooming into the dry branches, grabbing hold and climbing into the kindling and then into the larger pieces and by then there was no stopping it. There, inside my skull, the fire burned. I'd been sitting there so long, it felt like I'd just arrived. I was ready to sleep. I was ready to open the front door and step out into the blinding world. I opened the door. The fire awaited me. I had come to put out the fire, and I dumped the bucket of sand into its center, snuffing it with a hint of smoke. I poured the water, listening to the fire hiss and smoke, and I stirred the coals with a long stick and poured what remained in the bucket onto these, which sizzled mildly and then grew quiet. The fog lifted. The buffalo was on my heels. The dogs stopped, and I pet one. The fire was my only child, and I loved it accordingly. I had a great idea. 
I'd put out the fire and I'd open the door and I'd step inside the outside world. I didn't put out the fire. I just watched as it burned itself out and found a place to sleep. I tucked it into a matchbox. I even made a tiny nest of grass for it to sleep in. I kept the matchbox in my pocket, close to my heart. I held out my hand. The buffalo had slowed. It stepped toward me slowly and lowered its nose to my hand. All the dogs sat around us in a circle, watching attentively, their black tails wagging. I stared into the buffalo's eyes. A fire burned inside each one. I stood beside both fires with my back turned to myself. Thank you. Dr. Castillo's give him another hand. Up next, Sarah Amtage. Let's bring, bring her up. You got another one? Sweet. an explanation. There's a fish far away who has swallowed a spoon, and a star in the sky which has eaten a moon, and a clunking dishwasher digested a dish, and a well down in Denver once swallowed my wish. And a post office truly, though I'll never know how, ate a letter much better than I write to you now. Senator Amtage, let's give her another hand. Up next, Bob McKenzie, let's bring him up. This is uh, about a famous American. Uh, it's called The Soft Side. And first, uh, a little quote from an article in the Boston Globe this past May 15th. Al Capone may be rem remembered as a notorious gangster, but he had other interests besides breaking the law. He had a lifelong love of music. He strummed the tenor banjo in Mandola when he was in prison, learned to play a number of songs, and even played in a band with other inmates at Alcatraz. This is the poem. Al's new crew was the Rock Islanders. No jailhouse rock this but show music jazz, and every popular style of song. Talk about a multi-talented guy. Tried to relieve the daily grind playing banjo, guitar, and mandola, an instrument like a large mandolin. Al racked up time for good behavior, took up music playing banjo in the band, and a rotating group of musicians played with Al in the band as a privilege. First, I learned tenor guitar, Al wrote then a tenor banjo, and now the mandola, but for solo work only. When it came to his many victims, thought to have died in gang wars, many at his own hand, Al was heartless. But when he came to his family, Al apparently had a soft spot. An intimate letter penned from prison suggests this ruthless racketeer handled tenderness almost as skillfully as his Tommy gun. He even wrote a love song, Madonna Mia. Wrote his son saying, when I come home, I will play that song and about 500 more, mostly from theme songs from the best shows. 
In other words, Junior, there isn't a song written that I can't play. When you get the blues, Sonny, put on one of the records with songs I wrote you about. And that was Bob McKenzie. Uh, you heard In Order, Michael Castile, Sarah Emtish, and Bob McKenzie. And uh, up next, and this was done at the April 2nd, and the journey continues, open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next in it, here are Carlos Sanchez and Kinman. It's Bob McKenzie. Let's give him another hand. Okay, Carlos Sanchez, let's bring him up. So that is the explanation of the song. Um, so the song that I sang, it's um, one song from a traditional type of Mexican music that is called Canto Carvenche. And it's from this very tiny region in Mexico. And I actually didn't know that this type of music existed until like two years ago. And I knew because uh, this one band that was kind of the only left band that uh, plays this type of music came to my city and then I started to know more about the type of music. And it's really interesting. There's a CD, an album on Spotify that you can listen. And it's really interesting because it kind of transmits you this kind of like cathartic sadness. And it's really hard to listen through the whole thing. I've tried like twice and I, I just need to stop <laughs> because it gives me chills. Um, and something interesting about this type of music is that uh, it is called Canto Carvenche, it's like Carvenche song, because there is a cactus that is called Carvenche. And this Carvenche thing has some thorns that they can get very easily into your skin. But then when they come out, they reproduce your flesh and it's really, really painful. And people from this region, they say that love is just like that, that it gets really easily into you. But then when you want to take love away from you, it's really painful. So these are like really, really sad songs, um, usually played uh, by three people, only using their voices. They usually go like super high and super low. I didn't try to do that, but it's amazing. I really suggest you to listen to that. So I will give you a very free translation of what I uh, sang. Here it is. At the foot of a tree, my sad soul sits, enlightened by the morning light. I saw her coming, but I couldn't, I couldn't believe that it was her. I approached the foot of her window. She came out and told me that my hope was in vain, so I guess I'd rather go to sleep. I wish I was a brown heron contemplating you from the top of a golden hill. But, Trigueñita, as soon as I remember, I cry. Who is, it, who is to be blamed? You that abandoned me. At the foot of a tree, my sad soul sits, and I guess I'd rather go to sleep. Thank you. Carlos Sanchez, give me another hand. Up next, Kinman, let's bring him up. Hey, 
must admit, uh, it's quite an evening. Really like this, uh, so that way a poem can be read and some can, well, sink deeper into a person instead of you know, a series of poems. Usual, Bruce, good choice. <laughs> uh, this one has a little more dance in it, with more of dance in my steps. Sometimes, with a third time around, I better understand. Like a dervish spinning free, one in the crowd, without adjectives to corner and pocket. The moonlight shared, the eyes in silence focused on the sphere. Together in dust and heat, or wet through in rain. Such are things understood and deep within. Be like water was Bruce Lee's line to fish a person out in the pruning of stems, a shaping of freedom for the elements to show and impress. And they do with any and all, eyes alive to the light, ears or whatever else sensing another there. Such is a keenness that lays out the core. I am now submerged in the light from the sky to this room. And words lost in bubbles tell me to get on with the swim. Thank you. That was Ken Man. Let's give him another hand. And you just heard uh, Carlos Sanchez and Kinman at the April 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. Up next from it, here are Sasha Hill, Dale Tracy, and Aaron Boyce. Sasha, you got another one? Sasha Hill, let's bring her out. <laughs> about confidence and it's really really fun to perform. I hope it's fun to listen to. Scissors, ain't gonna cut a diamond, ain't gonna cut a diamond, bitch. Grow up, show up, never slow up, hard as a diamond, rock, paper, scissors, ain't gonna cut a diamond, bitch. Grow up, show up, never 
Tracy, let's give her the name. 
up next, we have Erin Boyce. Let's bring her up. visible floating ember, mistaken for the weakest star in the summer sky. Each night, your voice gives, gives life to this dying ash, the fuel it needs to grow. It alights and lingers. And by predictable surprise, I melt again as a faded flame flares within me, both familiar and unknown, comfortable and terrifying, nurturing and destructive, secure and dangerous. It leaves a mark. Tonight, heavy and thick with anticipation, my lips struggle to give form to this hot whisper. Can you feel it burn in you? Sarah and Boyce, let's give her another hand. And you just heard in order Sasha Hill, Dale Tracy, and Aaron Boyce at uh, the April 2nd and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series. And up next in it, and here are the last three readings uh, from that event. Uh, you'll hear Eric Folsom, Ariane, and my own reading. Next, Eric Folsom. Let's bring him out. week and, and on our street there's one of those tiny libraries where people leave books and take books and I and I saw a guy I'd never seen before walking away from the tiny library and, and he was he was carrying this which is a book that I published of my poems in the 1990s and I thought wow I hope I know he's I, I hope he knows what he's getting into <laughs> um, so, anyways, I'm going to read something from from this uh, from this era. It's it's the book is called What Kind of Love Did You Have in Mind? Can, is is there a more bisexual title in the world? What kind of love? Did you have? <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, but this isn't about that kind of love. Betting down. I will lean forward with whatever energy I have and kiss the human body next to me. I will bend over that form and hold it as if the cycling particles that make it blood and bone could be held forever and not slip away. As if consciousness were not a simple dance beneath the vaulted ceiling of the brain. I won't ask why neurology can't talk about love or investigate the physics of a kiss. So what if it's not literally true that no one could ever kiss like this? Why should a kiss be unique? when lovers can't be singular. The earth seems to reach out through us and extend its reign to lower a mysterious ladder into whatever deep wells capitulate. Something holds you still and always. The muscles ache like the ocean, and you've left your bed at impossible hours because you hear someone's 
fever coming on. Love pushes you through the dark. Love guides you to that other room. The flu is inside your child, and he whimpers. So you bend close and touch his sweaty hair. He shivers. You figure, what the hell? If you get it, you get it, and he needs you to climb in bed, you to hold him close. Jared Folsom was given by the hand. Ariane, you want to read that poem you mentioned in the first half? <laughs>
Robin, I just want to thank all of you for coming out. I'd welcome any sort of feedback about the new format. I thought it worked really well, but if you have other ideas, I'd welcome those as well. So, heartfelt thank you for almost 10 years of this, and uh, thanks for coming out this evening. And you just heard the remaining uh, readings from the uh, April 2nd, yeah, and the Journey Continues open mic reading in that monthly series held at the Young Cafe. And in it you heard in this order, Eric Folsom, Ariane, and my own reading that evening. And it looks like uh, I really don't have much time for events, but we're pretty well caught up. I will tell you that, hey, if you're listening, you're in Toronto, or you're going to be in Toronto a week from Sunday on May 26th from 2 to 4.30 p.m., along with two other people, Ava uh, Kolak and uh, Don Gooderidge. I will be launching my next collection of poetry, so it's going to be Sunday, May 26th from 2 to 4.30 p.m. Uh, it's uh, at the Supermarket Cafe in Kensington Market. That's 268 Augusta Avenue, so would love to see you there. There is a $15 entry, but uh, that also buys you a free copy of any one of the books there, so it is with... Uh, uh, John B. Lee uh, uh, signature series imprint with Hidden Brook Press, and John B. Lee will be a guest reader as well. So maybe I'll see you there if it works out for you. If not, that's cool. Thank you for tuning in. You have been listening to Finding a Voice here on CFRC. Please stay tuned uh, at the top of the hour for two hours of East Coast music with uh, Rob Carnell and. Uh, Again, uh, this hour, too, will be uploaded to my blog space at finding a voice on cfrcfm.wordpress.com. We'll remain there for four years. Have a wonderful long weekend, and I will catch you here next week. This podcast is produced in collaboration with cfrc.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.